It's the big day, and you're wondering what to serve the family. This main dish is popular because of a certain saint, but maybe not the one you're usually familiar with this time of year. Enjoyed by royalty and common folk alike, this meal was overtaken by the turkey as the bird of choice for the holiday table. From the Middle Ages to Victorian times, we're exploring the history and origins of the Christmas goose. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and welcome to another Serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Seasons Eatings is also found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you love the show, then I humbly ask you to share this podcast with someone you think would love to hear more about the history of Christmas and the foods which shape the holiday we love so much. And if you want to give me suggestions for future episodes, please email me at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. All the links can be found in the show notes at seasonseatingspodcast.com. Christmas is coming, the geese is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a hay penny will do. If you haven't got a hay penny, then God bless you. This children's nursery rhyme is fairly well known and has been sung for centuries. But what does the coming of Christmas mean about fat geese? This holiday season, you probably won't spring for goose at a nearby grocery store or restaurant, but it was the poultry of choice for centuries. Before they adopted Christianity, Germanic peoples celebrated winter solstice around the same time as Christmas. Meals were cooked from whatever the year's harvest brought in. Grains, conserved fruit, potatoes, everything was dished out for the holidays in one form or another. Roast goose was a popular feast in the Middle Ages, and before that, it was offered as a sacrifice to the gods Odin and Thor. They were thus used as centerpieces at Michaelmas, a feast day celebrated during the Middle Ages, which fell on the winter solstice and honored the end of the harvest and the change in season. It was also ritually eaten in ancient Greek culture in order to ensure the crops in months to come. So it's only natural for goose to become the roast of choice for the Christmas season, which eventually took the place of other winter solstice festivals. Geese were domesticated comparatively late, around 3000 BC, a full 12,000 years after the dog. The modern goose differs considerably from its wild ancestor. Bred for ever larger size, it's effectively flightless and stands more upright than its predecessor. In the Balkans and Central Europe, the wild or Roman versions remained fairly common. Geese indeed were often associated with Rome. Their cackling famously saved the capital from a surprise attack in the 4th century BC. 
The empire is credited with spreading the bird across Europe and particularly into France, where in much of Occitania, its fat became the principal cooking oil and foie gras its most notorious manifestation. A second homegrown explanation of the popularity of goose at the time is from a tradition of fasting. Medieval Christians would fast between St. Martin's Day, which is November 11th, and Christmas. For centuries, roast goose had been a traditional element of winter feasts. The observant of St. Martin's Day, or Martin Mass, dates back to the Middle Ages. Geese became a symbol of the saint, who is the patron saint of beggars and vinters. Because, according to church lore, Martin of Tours hid in a pen of geese to avoid being ordained bishop. Ultimately, their cackling gave him away. But goose is also a prototypical feast item. Plentiful, flavorful, and rich in fat. Exactly the kind of thing you'd want to eat before 40 days of delayed gratification. Just after the Feast of St. Martin on November 10th, which Germans also celebrate with a meal of goose, farmers worked to quickly fatten up their birds to meet the huge Christmas demand for geese. Even so, Germany still has to import them from Poland and Hungary. Sigrid Hodtel, who runs a farm that raises geese near Cologne, doesn't put great stock in fattening up geese. Geese that have only been kept in their stalls and fattened up are really something different than geese that are allowed to graze in fields all summer long, he says. They're more tender and lean. Martin Mass takes place on November 11th, and it was widely celebrated as the start of winter, which coincided with seasonal preparations, such as the butchering of animals, such as geese. It is said that turkey was first introduced in Europe from the Americas during Henry VIII's reign and gradually rose in popularity as a Christmas dish, given it was cheap and quick to fatten. In 1588, Queen Elizabeth I of England ordered everyone to have roast goose for their Christmas meal, because it was the first meal she had been eating when news of the English victory over the Spanish Armada reached her. Christmas was a singular occasion, and each household would spend as much as possible on their Christmas feast. That said, many households wouldn't have been able to comply with the Queen's demand since goose at the time was an expensive luxury. Goose then became the traditional Christmas dish in England. But there's more to the Christmas goose tradition than just that. There are traditionally four quarter days in a year. Lady Day, which is the 25th of March, Midsummer, the 24th of June, Michaelmas, the 29th of September, and Christmas, the 25th. In earlier times, Christians didn't only fast at Easter, but also during the 40 days between St. Martin's Day and Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, Germans broke the fast with goose. These four quarter days are dates on which servants were hired, rents due, or leases begun. It used to be said that harvest had to be completed by Michaelmas, almost like the marking of the end of the productive season and the beginning of a new cycle of farming. It was also at this time in which land was exchanged and debts were paid. This is how it came to be for Michaelmas to be the time for electing magistrates and also the beginning of legal and university terms. St. Michael is one of the principal angelic warriors, protector against the dark of the night and the archangel who fought against Satan and his evil angels, 
As Michaelmas is the time when the darker nights and colder days begin, the edge into winter, the celebration of Michaelmas is associated with encouraging protection during these dark months. It is believed that the negative forces were stronger in the darkness, and so families would require stronger defenses during the later months of the year. We'll find out about goose in Victorian England and the best way to cook your goose after the break. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight, ninety-nine. I knew there was a sprinkle missing from that cookie. Oh, hi. I'm Sprinkle, one of the elves in the kitchen at the North Pole. I'm in charge of, well, you guessed it, making sure there's 100 sprinkles on each of Mrs. Claus's cookies. There's so much stuff going on here at the North Pole that sometimes I can't keep track. That's why I go to SantaUpdate.com. SantaUpdate.com is a website which gives you all the news about us elves, the reindeer, Mrs. Claus, and of course Santa all through the year. There's news, a post office where you can email Santa, lots of great activities, and you can even chat with one of the elves or the big guy himself. We even broadcast Santa's journey around the world on Christmas Eve. And everything is completely free. So head on over to SantaUpdate.com and join in the fun. Just make sure you have permission from an adult you trust. I hope to see you soon on SantaUpdate.com. I gotta run. That's my next batch of cookies. If you're like me, you have fond memories of Christmas's past. When you settled in with your family to watch cherished Christmas classics like Rudolph, Frosty, or maybe you remember trekking to the theater to see big holiday releases like A Christmas Story, Home Alone, and my personal favorite, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I hope you'll rediscover a piece of that innocence while shopping at retrofestive.ca. While you're here, why not pick up some gifts for your loved ones? We're always posting new items, so be sure to check back often. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. From leg lamps to moose mugs, puzzles and pop culture, Retro Festive is your one-stop online shop for all your holiday gifts. Visit retrofestive.ca and be like Uncle Eddie and get something for you. Something really nice. So, a Christmas goose is just a goose by any other name, right? Not exactly. Domestic geese are more delicious at two times of year, when they're young in the early summer and toward the end of the year when they're the fattest. The second being precisely why they were such Christmas commodities. And no, it's not your imagination. The Christmas goose is less and less a holiday staple. Especially in the U.S., many have never come across one on the dinner table. While there is no official reason behind its decline, I do have some theories. Believe it or not, many people blame Charles Dickens. In A Christmas Carol, Dickens associates Goose with the struggling Cratchit family, turning it into a poor man's supper. And though it's a prized turkey that Scrooge sends an urchin to buy at the end of The Christmas Carol, Goose was the original centerpiece on the Cratchit's menu, 
as shown to Scrooge by the ghost of Christmas present, there was never such a goose. Its tenderness and flavor, size and cheapness were the themes of universal admiration. The modern-day American family will sit down to a meal of turkey this Christmas, but goose remains the traditional Christmas meat of choice for many and was long before Dickens wrote of its succulents. Henry VIII is credited with being the first monarch to have turkey for his Christmas dinner, but for most of Henry's subjects, goose was the favored holiday bird. Later, the Victorians would even have goose clubs to help them save up for that special Christmas meal. Then herds of big tom turkeys strode into town and kicked the goose off the Christmas platter. For the working class Victorians, goose was the favorite holiday meal but the average Joe just couldn't go out and buy one the week before Christmas. He had to save up for it. The local pub owners kindly helped out by forming Goose Clubs, a type of savings club that would begin around October. According to the Holiday Book for Christmas and the New Year, a series of periodical extracts that was bound and published in 1852, these clubs were often established by public house owners. The members pay a shilling a week for eight to ten weeks before Christmas. In addition to a goose, are generally entitled to a bottle of gin for their ten shillings, it said. Bright proud is the landlord to show his prize geese to his customers, and a great delight does he take in telling them about the number of miles he travelled by rail, or the bargain he made weeks before to be supplied with geese of the first quality at so much per head, and not to be outdone, he examined them all. When the big day arrived, everyone who had paid in would congregate at the pub to claim their Christmas goose. To make it fair, all the names would be put into a hat. One goose would be held up and a name would be drawn. And be it fat or scrawny, if your name was drawn, that's the goose you got. At home, the goose would be cleaned, prepared, and probably filled with sage and onion stuffing. Cratchit earned about 15 shillings a week would be about $75 a week in American money in today's dollars. So in total, the goose was not a small expense, especially when factoring in London cost of living and the expenses associated with caring for seven children. But the week-by-week payment plan made it attainable for many families. Those same families were not particularly wealthy enough to have ovens in their homes, so pub owners or bakers would offer to cook their birds for a fee. Similar to a Thanksgiving turkey, geese required a couple of hours to fully cook and usually roasted in a pan filled with spices and citrus. They're all dark meat, rich and flavorful, and some prefer the flavor and the moistness of the bird. But by 1927, an Australian newspaper reprinted a quote that claimed goose was the national Christmas dish in England. At the same time, it stated that goose had been largely supplanted by the turkey in recent times, despite the higher cost of turkey in comparison to goose, but nevertheless, some may prefer the cheaper goose. So what about wild goose? The kind they had at the first Thanksgiving, along with the wild turkey and passenger pigeons. If you live in the U.S., eating Canada geese may be unlawful. In some parts of the country, geese are intentionally killed to shrink the population and reduce the danger of airplane collisions. But there's no protocol for testing slaughtered geese for toxins, so they end up in landfills instead of your dining room. 
Their domestic goose has been perfectly created to make the ideal Christmas feast. Flavorful and rich and not as aggressively farmed as its poultry counterparts, goose does exactly what you want protein to do in cold weather. Roast up moist on the inside and crisp on the outside, all the while bestowing you with a wealth of flavorful drippings for future cooking. Fortunately, especially if you're going straight for tradition, roast goose is all about rusticity, so variations in recipes are typically minimal, more often seasoning related. Several recipes rely on thyme or marjoram, its slightly earthy, verdant fragrance infusing the goose flesh from inside the cavity, while others steer toward the piney flavors of rosemary and staples like onions and apples. Gordon Ramsay's recipe incorporates Chinese five-spice powder. The point is, you can pick and choose per your tastes. Herbs, fresh and dried fruits, onions, various stuffings. So tradition doesn't have to mean endless repetition. Geese are ready to be eaten twice a year. As the website Birds Plus Wild explains, geese have a relatively short egg-laying season making them a better choice for roast meat than chickens, which produce eggs more frequently. Once when they are young, or green, in the early summer, and again when they are at their fattest and ripest toward the end of the year, after having feasted on fallen corn. Geese are also more equipped for flight than turkeys, so their muscles require more oxygen and have more iron. Dark meat cuts come from muscles that use more oxygen and have more iron, says University of Arkansas meat scientist Janiel Yancey. The iron is held in a protein called myoglobin, which gives the darker color. White meat cuts come from muscles that metabolize energy with less oxygen, so they have less myoglobin and are lighter in color. Geese also have a lot of fat, which dissolves and drips off as they cook. While you can typically feed eight adults with an eight-pound turkey, it's suggested that you should plan to purchase a bird that is twice as heavy as to feed the same amount of people, since it doesn't have quite as much edible meat after being roasted. When it comes time to roast, don't fear the fat. Just prepare for it. Some recipes recommend removing pockets of excess fat along with the giblets, but the most important thing to do is to prick the skin for drainage and siphon off the goose fat as it collects over the roasting period, which could last for several hours depending on the size. If you're inclined to keep the fat, and please do, it's among the more coveted with a high smoke point, good monosaturated fat, and surprisingly less saturated fat than butter, have jars on hand for storage. It also has the softest fat in the animal category. The fat turns to a liquid at 111 degrees Fahrenheit, compared to duck fat, which liquefies at 126 degrees, making it easier to cook with and its fat easier to consume. Try it on pancakes. I'm serious. Thus, in Ireland, when few had ovens, goose was cooked over a turf fire in a big black pot. It would be partially braised and partially roasted. Parsnip and bacon would be added to the pot as well as carrots, onions, and other herbs and spices such as sage, cloves, and a pinch of nutmeg. If you had money, you would feast on goose every Sunday from Michaelmas until Christmas. In her book Traditional Irish Food, Theodora Fitzgibbon 
includes an excerpt from a story from 1870 of a young farmer who dined every Sunday on boiled goose and dumplings. As well as dumplings, goose could be stuffed with potatoes and served with an apple sauce. Though this was a traditional way of cooking duck in Ireland, a recipe for goose in this matter is included in Darnia Allen's A Simply Delicious Christmas from 1989. The goose legs make for a fabulous confit, and the neck can be stuffed with its giblets and roasted to make the bird go even further. But, because geese are more expensive and difficult to raise, other meats were deemed more acceptable to serve during the holidays as time went on. According to Southern Food Science, the 1940s focused on breeding turkeys, so there was a surplus. Millions, in fact that were available to eat and roast for Thanksgiving and Christmas. More working-class families were able to afford a big bird, but instead of a goose, it was cheaper and just as good to eat a turkey. While goose remains a specialty item sourced from a few gourmet product wholesalers or from farmers who raise less popular birds, the numbers are starting to add up. Charles Passy wrote for the Wall Street Journal in 2017. D'Artagnan, a New Jersey-based gourmet company that sells goose to restaurants in a city as well as directly to the public, says it expects orders for about 2,800 birds this holiday season, an increase of over 27% over last year. But winter is still by far their busiest season. Christmas always will be the main focus. Although the idea of the Christmas goose came way before a Christmas carol, Dickens certainly played his part in bringing the goose back into fashion at Christmas time. The evocation of families coming together and enjoying a delicious meal makes us think of contentment and richness. Thank you for listening to the Serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Enix is available on Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, Deezer, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please, if you can leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker as a personal thank you. Also, I'd love to hear from you, so you can send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com to let me know how you like the show, suggestions for future episodes, or even just to say hi. And I know we all get busy, especially at this time of year. So even sharing the podcast with someone you know who loves Christmas would be a great help. But if you're feeling extra generous this holiday season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head on over to SeasonsEatingsPodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Seasons Eatings has also great items for you or your loved ones for the holiday season. Head on over to SeasonsEatings.com, click on the Merchandise tab to find your next great gift. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and thank you for listening, and tune in again for another serving of Seasons Eatings. All music for Seasons Eatings is used under the Creative Commons license.